The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. Sure is good to be back with you. I missed you. Being gone, I'm excited to share the trip with you. Uh, but before that, we want to get back into our series for the spring. But will you pray with me as we do that? Our Father, now we come before your word and we want to hear from you. We're so thankful that you are a communicating personal God. And Lord, help us now to listen. I pray for your blessing and your help, Lord, to uh, teach this passage faithfully and clearly. And Lord, really to share the heart of what we've been doing in Haiti as well. And we pray, each one of us, God, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to you and that um, we'd have a conversation with you this morning as we listen to you, as we respond in faith. Lord, we pray this for your glory, for our joy. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, this spring, it's uh, really my hope and my prayer for all of us that we would understand and live more of what we're saved to as Christians. A couple weeks ago, we looked at kind of a distinction between celebrating what we're saved from and also what we're saved to. Um, we never want to demean or diminish what we're saved from, right, as Christians. If that was all we got, that's a great thing. I'm so thankful to be saved from uh, slavery to sin, aren't you? A, a selfish, uh, kind of God-replacing inclination against him. Uh, we've been saved from the power of sin. Does that excite you at all? It does me. Um, second, I'm really glad to be saved from, well, let's put it frankly, eternal hell. Are you glad to be saved out of God's wrath? For, I mean, wow. I mean, I, I know that I deserve that when I see God's law and I see myself like there's no real argument to be had. Um, I, des I deserve his wrath. And to be totally forgiven of all my sin uh, and, and, and saved from his punishment and anger, if, if that's all you got, you'd be like, amen, praise God. We've been saved from the very worst. But I think it's easy for us as Christians just to camp there and then just try to be nice and hit church once in a while after that. What are we saved to? Because saved from, as beautiful as it is, as, as core as it is, as important as it is, and you can't have the saved to without the saved from, the saved from is halfway. It's half of what God has for us. And we're saved to um, a new life. So we want to think about this and understand it, experience it, God willing. We're in the book of Jesus. And it's one of the best skeptic conversion stories around. I love imagining this. Um, we know that he grew up with Jesus as his brother, which from a cynical, sinful point of view would kind of stink because, Mom, you know, Jesus did something. Honey, he's always right. He's the son of God. James never believed. He wouldn't trust. He doubted his brother until his brother rose from the dead and appeared to him bodily. Would you have enjoyed to be in the room for that one? What's up, bro? Oh. And after that, James is different. 
so different, and he's passionate about living for Jesus. And when he introduces this letter, he doesn't say, hey, I'm James, Jesus' bro. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm James, a servant, or really a slave of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's been changed, and everything about him is he's wanting to live for the glory of Jesus. And as you read this, this letter, you, you see how passionate he is that Christians live in what they're saved to. Um, and so we're going to... We're going to look at this today from verses 18 to 27 and see the incredible importance of the scriptures, or as James calls it, the word of God to our salvation. In fact, as James says it today, you could say, we've been saved to the word. Saved to the word. So we're going to see five pictures in our text this morning. Uh, Three of them are going to be like encounters with the word, experiences with the word. And then two of them are going to be impacts of the word on our life. Okay, so three encounters with the word, and then two things that does in us, ways it changes us, and, uh, and we'll apply that with how that's worked in Haiti at the end. First thing to see, though, with how we encounter the word is verse 18. Oh, there's so much beautiful stuff in just one line. We look at James 1, verse 18 with me? James writes, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. If you're saved, if you've, been, if you've trusted in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, if you've repented of wanting to live for yourself and you've submitted yourself to him, you've trusted him, why is that? Look at verse 18. What's that first phrase? Of what? Of his own will. Whose will? It's God's will, isn't it? God wanted you to know him. He wanted to save you. It's easy sometimes to think, well, I think the whole world and every religion other than Christianity gives us this idea. If I work hard and knock on God's door long enough, maybe he'll let me in. As if we sometimes have to, we have to convince God to save us. Christianity has flipped the tables and showed us the reality is If you ever wanted to be saved, it's because God wanted to save you first. It was his will to bring you to himself. And if you really just try to take that doctrinal truth, we just had passed through our minds. If you let that sink into your your heart that the God of creation knows you, everything about you, and that God says, I want you to belong to me. That will move you, won't it? It's of his own will. And, and we see this reference in verse 19 when James says, know this, my beloved brothers. And we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, but so many times in the New Testament, the title for Christians is beloved, which is awkward but awesome to have your name be the reality that you're loved by someone else. How could we describe you? What box could we put you in? What would be a good title label for you? And the Bible says, those who are loved by God, that's really who you are. That's, that's the best description. You're loved. Isn't that, isn't that fantastic? He's brought you forth by his, of his own will. He's loved you and brought you. And is it because we deserve it, right? It's because we at Fountain of Life were especially moral and uh, rule following, and spiritually sharp, smart, 
I'm being totally sarcastic, uh, but if you're a visitor, you should know that we have it all together. Um, never arguments or, well, that's a joke, right? Has, has he loved us because we've deserved it? The opposite is true. He has loved us, though we have so not deserved it. It's grace, and, and that's real love. Um, we're beloved in Christ, in Jesus. And what we need to see here in verse 18 is, of his own will, he brought us forth by something. He used something. What was it in verse 18? You see it? You were brought forth by the word of truth. So it was God's word. God wanted to save you. How's he going to do it? Well, in this, in this verse, it says he did it by the word of his truth. And if we unpack that, what does that mean? You could, obviously, we believe God's word is the scriptures, the Bible. But we could probably say more than that. Really, um, if you want to think of the Bible as a spear, the tip of the spear is the gospel. Many times in the New Testament, the gospel, the news of who Jesus is and what he's done, that's, that's the word of truth. So really, uh, Jesus says, hey, the whole Bible is fulfilled in me and who I am. And so the word of truth that saves us is this news of Jesus and who he is from Scripture. And do you remember what, he, what it is he's done for you? Jesus, his life for yours, right? My life, um, I've broken God's law. Jesus kept it perfectly, and he gives that standing to me freely. Uh, the gospel is his death for yours, right? We deserve God's wrath for our sin, but Jesus was our substitute in our, ta- in our place, taking upon himself what we deserve. He gives us this freely. His resurrection is yours, right? Jesus came to life again. Death couldn't hold him. And in him, you trust in him. His resurrection is your new life to God. That's why the word has brought you forth, James says, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. What a picture of saved from. Did the, word, did the word bring you forth to save you from your sins and forgive you? Yeah. What else? To make you a, a first fruits of his creatures? What, is that, what does that mean? First fruits of his creatures. Well, God is starting something new in what he's done in Jesus. And the whole world is just full of, of darkness, rebellion against God. Uh, life lived in enmity towards him. And in, and in Jesus, God is starting something new, and he's, he's making a people for himself who, who love him, who are his children, and who look like Jesus more and more and more. You're saved to be a new creation. Paul says this in Corinthians. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. So it's a brand new start, a new kind of life, a, a supernatural kind of life in relationship with God, to be loved by God, to love God. This is what you were saved to isn't that great? And he did it by his word. So what is, your, what is your first relationship to the word if you're a Christian? By the word you've been saved to new life, right? The word brought you forth into new life, the life of looking like Jesus. That's the first picture of what the word does in your life. The word saves you. Second picture, look at verse 21. Okay, now what? Now what should we do? 
Well, in verse 21, James says, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. So the first thing we saw is that you were brought forth or saved by the word. What's the second encounter with the word we have as Christians? Receive the word, right? Did you notice how he says it's implanted? The implanted word? What, what does that mean? How is, uh, what happened? God surgically put in like a, there's a little beating Bible in your chest now. What does it mean that it's in you? It's something to the effect where this news of Christ and, and the truth of who he is, it's, it's like written on your DNA now. In fact, doesn't, doesn't the Old Testament say, when God says, the new covenant, I'm gonna write my law, what? I'm gonna write it on, my, on their hearts. Or, or Jesus will say, I will live in you by the Spirit. Abide in me and I in you. It's, you've been changed spiritually, and the word is implanted in you now. It's part of everything you are. It defines you. It gives you life. And so what should you do? You should receive with meekness the implanted word. Um, it's to humbly receive it. It's to humbly be hungry for the word all the time. So how do you receive something that's already implanted? How do you receive something that's already implanted? Well, think of something like oxygen. Do you have oxygen in you right now? Yeah, you're looking at me, nodding. Some are sleeping, but even that takes oxygen. Um, are you like, okay, I got all the oxygen I need, I'm done. No way, right? Again, again, if you're, if you're alive, the oxygen is in you and you're, and you're gonna keep breathing. Um, if you go real crazy, you could probably find a YouTube video of this, and some guy can hold his breath for too long and faint. Uh, what does the fainting do? It shuts him down, so what's he going to start doing again? <laughs> Reset. You're going to breathe. Because as long as you're alive, you're going to breathe. I think that's an illustration of our lives sometimes. Yeah, I'm going to get distant from this word. Not reading it, not gonna think about it. Boy, if you're a Christian, something will shut down and God will drag you back. Any of you got stories like that? I know you do. Drag you back because you're alive. And you know what? The only kind of people who stay away from the word, hate the word, don't want the word, same kind of people who stay away from oxygen. They're not alive. Receive the word, eat the word, be hungry for the word. I wanna hear more of the word, I wanna read it, I wanna meditate on it, I wanna talk about it, I wanna pray about it. I wanna chew on it, I wanna memorize it. I gotta hear God's word. It keeps me alive, it's like breathing, it's like eating. You know, sometimes we talk about the place of the word in our lives and many of us, myself included, will say sometimes things like, I don't have time. I don't have time for the word. Maybe we need to like change the whole paradigm and language on this because you always find time to eat, don't you? You make time. You find time to breathe, right? It's a priority for you, okay? And you'll set aside everything else because it's life, it's living. James is saying the word is like that. The word is like that. It, this is not a matter of time, it's a matter of life. 
Are you going after the word? Because as James said, did you see it? You've been brought forth as new creatures by the word. And then in 21, he says, receive with meekness the word which is able to save your souls. Wait, I thought we already were saved. Yeah. But salvation has a lot of chapters, a lot of episodes, getting chosen, Jesus doing everything for you, believing in him, trusting him. Being justified, reconciled, adopted, but also being sanctified. That's a part of your salvation, looking, looking more like Jesus. Being glorified. I mean, you haven't hit glorified yet, right? Y'all are beautiful, but if this is the best it gets, overrated? Okay, we're, we're in the middle of our salvation road. We got more coming, and part of it is seeking after God, um, knowing God, loving God, not to earn our salvation, but because we already are saved, And so this word brings us forth, and this word feeds us and gives us life. It continues the salvation. So receive it humbly. Do you want the word? Do you want more of it? How are you eating it? How are you getting it? Go after it. So we're saved by the word. We're saved to receive the word. Third one, verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Oh, man. You're like, God, I thought I did good. I made it to church. I'm listening to a sermon. And this is the most dangerous place we could be sometimes because uh, we've heard it and we're responsible for it. And it's easy, isn't it? I'm as, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. I, I researched it. I studied it. I put it together. I tried to communicate it. I got good feelings about what the Bible says. And we're all like, amen. And we sang some songs and we're like, yeah. And then we heard it. And we can lie to ourselves because the, the lie is, man, it was so great to hear it and agree with it and want it. Awesome. I'm, this is what I'm supposed to be. And James is like, oh, one more thing. Do it. Do it. And he gives an illustration I think is kind of hilarious. Um, you know, you got up this morning, you're going to go to church, you took a look in the mirror. Some of us were pretty good on natural, right? Others of us, we looked in the mirror and we're like, I have some work to do. You know, I got stuff in my eyes. I got stuff in my teeth, my hair, my skin. And you're like, well, you know, what if you forgot that and you showed up in your, in your jammies, you know, and your, your hair's like, all, you'd be welcome here. We'd be glad you're here, okay? If you were my friend, I'd probably elbow you a little bit because it's funny. Uh, and you're like, hey, you always look like you didn't look in the mirror. Okay, I received that. But you see the illustration, right? You, you look into God's word and you're like, oh, that's beautiful. That's the way it should be. And you look at your life and you're like, I need some, there's some adjustment to be had here. I need to, oh, I'm just going to head out and, no, don't be like that. When you look into the law, when you look into the word, how do I do this? How do I do this? I, there was this great little video on Facebook a couple months ago where this dad walks by his daughter's room, and you know, it's a pigsty, it's a trash heap, and he comes out and sees her laying on the couch, and he's like, babe, I told you, to, told you to clean your room. And she sits up, and she's like, dad, 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 I have what you said to me about my room in four different translations. And I met with all my friends, and we had a study on what your, your word about the room meant. And we talked about it. We prayed about it. We even have a strategic plan for how I'm going to clean the room. And we know how to say it in Greek and in Hebrew. And we wrote a song about cleaning the room. And we sang it together. And we were all so happy. And in the video, he goes, oh, yeah, good job. 
And you see the point, right? Go make disciples of all nations. So I want you to make friends with unbelievers and I want you to tell them about Jesus. I can, we've had surveys and conferences and Bible verses and devotionals, stick on tattoos, bumper stickers. Did you tell anybody about Jesus yet? Don't just hear it. Do it. And if you persevere in doing it, look what James says in verse 25. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Remember, this is not a burden for us. If it feels like a burden, a huge backpack of stones, we're getting it wrong. If you've trusted in Jesus, you're a new creation, and this is what you were made for. This is your freedom. This is your liberty. This is real living. This is life. Look into it and say, that's me, and that's what God has for me. I'm going after it. By the power of his spirit, no, it's not perfect, of course, but that's what we're saved to. We're saved to come to life by the word, humbly receive the word, do the word. Those three pictures Now let's look at these two major effects. Verse 27 gives, it's just an amazing verse, and it gives a great summary of what the word of God should have in our lives. Verse 27 says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained by the world. So this is the kind of living that God loves, right? Pure and undefiled before God, where God looks at you and says, yeah, that's it, that's right. That's the the new creation. They look like my son. That's right. This is it. And then two major categories. One, visit orphans and widows in their afflictions. Well, what could you call that, just broadly speaking? It's love, right? It's love. Love people. And then the second one, keep yourself unstained by the world. The world here is the systems of culture and communities and relationships and everything else that are against God. And and to the Bible, that's like a stain, a stain of like rebelliousness, of evil. And so the second part of having the word affect your life is to keep yourself unstained by the world. So you're you're fighting against sin. You want to be holy. You want to be different. You want to be set apart to God. Now, that doesn't mean you're withdrawn from the world, right? Because what are you doing in the first part of the verse? You're visiting people in the world. You're in the world. You're really in the world. You're going. Uh, You're making a difference. But as the theologians like to say, you're not of the world. You're not wearing its colors, its attitudes, its mindset. You're unstained. So two major things here for a life centered on the word are love your neighbor and fight your sin. Love your neighbor, trash your sin. And you see this everywhere in this passage, oh so practically, With this mindset of fighting your sin, look at verses 19 to 21. What do you see? Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person, shoot, that includes me. Let every person be what? Quick to hear. What's the next one? Slow to speak. Slow to anger. If he has to tell the church this, what do you think the problem is? If he has to tell you to be quick to hear, what are you quick to do? Speak. If he has to tell you to be slow to speak, well, yeah. And slow to anger, what's their problem? They're angry. Oh, does this happen in your living room? In your relationships? We make dark assumptions about others, right? We know the truth. 
We say things too quickly, too boldly. We argue and we get angry, very angry. Our our pride explodes all over the place and it's self-righteous, right? I'm right, you're wrong, blah, here it comes. Anybody ever been in one of those before? Nobody, huh? Just me. Yeah, it has. We have. So if you're you're in a life changed by the word, you got to fight that stuff. And look how close, this is intimate stuff. It's stuff of the heart, right? Um, Why do you say what you say in the way you say it? Why are you so self-obsessed and having to win the argument? Uh, Maybe, you know, if you fought your sin, you'd put some of that aside, and you'd love, you'd, let's listen. It's the hardest thing to do, isn't it, for a lot of us? Compassionate listening. Let me hear where you're at and why you're there. Let me quit making this personal as if it's always about me. Let me hear what's up with you, what's going on, what's your struggle, what's your fight. Let me listen, and let me slow down on what I say. Obviously, there's a time to speak. The Bible's full of it. Speaking's important, but slow down. Do it wisely, and slow down the anger. Yeah, there's a place for righteous anger, but he says in 20, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If you're staying angry all the time, you're not accomplishing good things with that. It just can't work. God knows how to be anger righteously and perfectly. For you and I, we can't trust ourselves with that. Uh, We're gonna get it wrong. So slow down the anger, forgive. You got bitterness going on right here? Stuff you're still holding against people for forever? How can, how can the gospel help you let that go? Forgive. Be gentle, be kind. Hasn't Jesus done that with us? We're new, right? We're new to made to be right. We're made to be like Jesus. And it's really gotta hit the way we talk. Look at verse 26. Anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religious, religion is worthless. God help me. God help me. God help us and what we've said. Oh, so if, if this religion is true, man, you really love the Lord, you can, you can harness up that tongue, bridle, right? It's for your horse. Stick the thing in its mouth and you're gonna, you're gonna make that horse go where it needs to go. Sometimes that horse is wild and unruly, but you gotta control it. Same thing with the tongue. Get a, get a filter on that thing. Get a handle on that thing. If you're a Christian, you will. Isn't that what it's saying? You will, you'll fight it, you'll work on it. James is saying, fight your sin. Look at verse 21, put, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And the issue is taking off something, something ugly. So I think the best illustration would be you're walking down the street and one of those trucks carrying the uh, porta potties is coming down the street, okay? And one, one falls off the truck, bam! In slow motion, you're on the sidewalk all over your coat. You still gonna wear that coat to the party? It's gonna be like split second lightning. The thing's off you, okay? That is the attitude of this language in this text. When you see just that sin, that self-righteousness, that anger, get that that off you, fight your sin. Again, because not to prove, not not to earn your salvation, but to prove who you, this is who you are. This is your freedom. You're in Christ now. Fight your sin. Trash that sin. Repent. Be forgiven. Be forgiven. Change. Fight your sin. And then the other one, love. Love. We've seen it in how 
uh, James' call for love and how we talk in community, but also visit orphan wi- orphans and widows in their distress. What a verse. Orphans and widows, biblically, it's always the, it's the poorest of the poor. It's the helpless. It's those who have no one to fight for them, those who have no one to stand for them. Um, and I can't, can't help but feel the echo of this line when I think of our OVC kids in Haiti. OVC, again, stands for Orphan Vulnerable Child, so some of them are total orphans. Others of them are just vulnerable for other reasons. But as we interview every single one of them, there's only one or two that have a father in their lives. Uh, they'd be lost. They'd be alone. Nobody to fight for them. Nobody to provide for them uh, without what we're doing there. Visit them. And what do you think of that word, visit them? Um, it includes writing a check, right, because you want to help them. But isn't it a little more than that? Be present, sit with them, hug them, look them in the eye, talk to them, express something to them. This is pure religion. This is a real thing, is to go and, uh, go and, go and be there. And I'm so thankful that we've been able to do this uh, through our efforts in Haiti. And so I just want to, you know, here we've got this passage, right, saying, Think about your encounter with the word. You're new by the word. You, you, you gotta humbly receive the word and you gotta do the word. Okay, all right? And we, we gotta do this in, a, in an atmosphere of grace, right? We're not trying to say, Jesus, please love me. It's no, Jesus, you already love me. I wanna be like you. I'm, I'm forgiven, I'm loved, I'm free. Let's go love others. And, and so this, it's not just say, hey guys, do this better. It's also, hey, thank you, you're doing this. Thank you, you're doing this. Isn't it amazing? It's set seven years or something, right? Six or seven years. This little church, we're sending $1,000 a month to help feed, to help educate those who would, who would not have any education, would have hardly any food. That's a, that's a big budget. Can you imagine? Seven years, $1,000 a month. What could, we do with, uh, what could we do with our property? I mean, I could finally have that private jet that a lot of preachers say they need. <laughs> you know, for the sake of the gospel, right? Oh. A lot of you, you, you give and you tithe. You, you, you support every month. And it goes to a lot of great things, but it goes to this. And you work so hard every time, every year, right? I feel like, oh my gosh, are we gonna be able to do this again? It's a huge piece of work to send a team to Haiti every year. Um, through your generosity, God gives us more than enough. And let's just be thankful. This is part of what we're saved too. Aren't you, aren't you thankful to God for what he's put in us? that we get to do this, we get to live it out. So I wanna take a, take a few minutes to go over some of these highlights with you. I'm gonna move over here to the corner a little bit and um, show you some pictures. I am no professional photographer, but hopefully it can give you just a feel of what it's like there, of what we did, okay? So we work with a group called World Orphans. Uh, most of their history, they've been in Africa, uh, but ever since the earthquake, they've been in Haiti. And uh, something I love about World Orphans is they want to do their work through the local church. And so Jesus is getting the glory. It's the local church on the ground doing the work. It's not like super special white people come in to save the day. We don't believe in that. We can't do that. We're partnering. We're offering what we have, and they're offering what they have, and we're working together to do this work. 